Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a Spider-Man can. Something, something, can web, web. Yes, he can. Look out, here comes the couch theater. Ooh. <laughs> Plot twist. It's us. <laughs> the best part about that is we just making excessive hand gestures, even though this is an audio medium. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Plot twist, it's us. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you might have turned this in by mistake, and then like you're like, oh, it's Spider-Man. And you're like, oh, it's these guys. And you know, you're probably let down. And there's nothing I can do about that. But we're going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home, the third installment in the Spider-Man Home series. <laughs> I guarantee you when they started making this, they were not trying to do a home thing. Just homecoming. And then the next guy was like, what if I snuck the word home in there? And the third guy was like, well, I guess now I have to use the word home. And the fourth guy is thinking, <clears throat> I don't know what to name this movie. <laughs> yeah. The, I've seen some memes that come up with some pretty good, interesting prequels. Yep. Spider-Man working from home. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man homeless. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, did you like this movie? I liked this movie. I, Did you like this movie? I whatever this movie. <laughs> I had fun. I say that a lot, I think. I had fun. At a certain point... Well, actually, I'll take it back. I, it took me like half of this movie to actually start enjoying it. Because at the beginning, I really wanted this movie to be something it wasn't. And I'm not entirely sure what I wanted out of it. But what it, what it was giving me was not what I wanted. And about halfway through the movie, I sort of let go of that and just decided to enjoy it for what it was, which was Spider-Man just flying around. And then also half second half of the movie is when the other Spider-Man came in. And I think that's actually the better part of the movie. Or the, the stuff that was happening was more interesting. So I started enjoying the movie about halfway through until it got to the end. And I was like, eh. <clears throat> so there's, there's like a solid hour in there where I was enjoying. And the rest of it, I was like, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> That's my general impressions. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll just shoot it off with the nostalgia. I'll yeah. say the nostalgia is probably a process of the the writing form that's more formulaic, right? Once you have it patted down, it, it kind of just fits. You can, you can probably reproduce nostalgia easier than you can do write a good story kind of thing. Um, so... Are you taking shots of the no, writers, No, Sam? no, no, I'm not. I, I'm just saying that, that like, it's not a surprise that Marvel nailed down the nostalgia side of it, right? People would have been fuming if it wasn't, I mean. I really appreciated that they they seem to treat the other Spider-Man with respect. Yeah. Whatever you think of those movies, they didn't just say, oh, these Spider-Man, they sucked, right? They actually tried to, like, uh, they, they poked some fun at it, but they tried to treat it with, like, as much respect as possible, like, these are other iterations of it. Uh, I think that in Endgame, they tried to pull the nostalgia factor too. Um, when they went back in time and went mm. through some of that that stuff. Spoilers for Endgame, I guess. I'm usually not a big fan of nostalgia because I see it coming and I don't like it. But I think they actually did it well in this instance yeah. because it's the nostalgia bait, but also these characters are now woven into the plot and are doing things other than just like being cameos. Like they're actually playing a part in a significant chunk of the last half, which is not what I was expecting, which made me start enjoying it. I that's exactly a note I made about what makes a good nostalgia too. Yeah. Not just cameos. And the second one was that they stay true to the characters. Like yes. the characters, they still have each, both the villains and the heroes have the correct motivations. They they still belong to that 
era of film that they came out of, right? So it wasn't just like, oh, we're here now to help this new Spider-Man any way we can. We're going to just do whatever and follow along. We're just, you know, you know that when you like join a team and suddenly you, you basically don't do anything anymore. You're just a sidekick. Team. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, yeah, they did came in. They all had their own stuff and the villains were there. There was definitely a lot of, we don't know what to do with this reptile guy. Because <laughs> they were like, he was in the cage. And then everyone was like, oh yeah, there's a reptile. And they were like, yeah, there's a reptile. And then everyone moved on because neither the writers but the audience knew what to do with the reptile. That wants to turn everything in. Everyone <laughs> was a really weird plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so in terms of nostalgia, it's pretty good, right? I think that's what they did what they were trying to do, which is good on them. My only maybe caveat or pushback against that is I'm not sure why. I, I guess I'm just like, I don't know why this is a Spider-Man story they decided to tell. Hmm. I don't Money. know the answer to that. Money, yes. And also, they're trying to set up the multiverse. Yeah. And this was just a clever way of going about that. And I am moderately upset that this Spider-Man movie felt like a setup for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which probably is a setup for other Marvel movies, which is how I felt after coming out of Venom. The end, the end credits was like, they're yeah, just trying to set up Spider-Man, Venom, and then turns out, yes, that's the only reason they sent him there, was just to drop Venom Can there. I just say how dumb that freaking was? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not even joking with you right now. <laughs> Venom has its own movie, yeah. and in the after credits scene... They interlink it with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Spider-Man. And he's Venom's like, I hate that dude. So we see them, we see them join. Tom Hardy joined this universe. And guess what? He is not in the Spider-Man movie at all, except for again the end credits. <laughs> in which the end credits shows him go back. And the Sure, sure, there's the Venom that's left back, but basically. Tom Hardy's duty in all of this was to show up in two end credit scenes to go into the universe and exit the universe. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was just funny when I saw it. I was like, oh, they're not going to do anything else other than drop Venom off. It's just like, you just hitched a ride to drop up some Venom off back. <laughs> yes. But I think that annoys me in a way that, to a much, much lesser degree, the same way I got annoyed by Star Wars putting exposition for why Palpatine is still alive in Fortnite for the movie. Don't expect me to play Fortnite to understand your movie. I should just understand your movie because your movie makes sense. And this, to a much lesser degree, but you are linking two end credits to explain how Venom got here. And if I'm not the kind of person who sticks around for end credits, and there's, I assume, a lot of people who don't, because it's like just, what, 30 seconds of a scene and a line, then I completely missed why Venom showed up in Spider-Man. And that might be important information for me to know. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I have something to say about the acting. I really don't want to get hate for this. You are going to get hate for this. But I did not like Tom Holland's acting so much. Really? I no, no. What about his acting did you not like? I felt like he was overacting. It was fine in the first half. In the second half, I felt like he was overacting a lot. There are a lot of, like, long shots of his face where he's, like, looking 
and like it's supposed to be like a very like a, deep a, a real good smolder. Yeah, but it was like it felt like there's a lot of those of either him crying or smoldering or like something like that. I wish they could tone that down a bit and just be a little bit more natural. So I don't fault that to his acting. I think that's more of a directing choice, right? Like the camera didn't linger on his face because the character was like, oh, he's doing some acting right now. Let's put it there. Like he was directed to look off and look pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's both then. Yeah. Right. Cause he can also tone it down a little bit or something. And that's where the second part of my complaint comes in, which is probably more of the fault of the writers and the directors is the amount of crying. It's so sad. No. It has no way home, Sam. Right, right. No way home. I'm not. So this is not. This is not any toxic masculinity things. Okay. This sounds like the prequel precursor to some toxic masculinity. <laughs> no, <laughs> men, men should cry. Men should cry, and we should see it in movies. Mm-hmm. But do we really need to have a crying scene at like every other scene? Think of how sad it is that he has no way home. But like every everybody was crying. Like. Peter Parker from that universe must have cried four times. Okay, Peter Parker was always uh, from Tobey Maguire. Like Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker? No, no, like Peter Parker, Tom Holland, Peter Tom Parker. Holland. Let's just call them by their actual names. Okay, Tom Holland. is going to get confusing. <laughs> Tom Holland cried four times. And we saw the other Spider-Man also cried. They were, it was fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then, like, I think Ned also cried, and MJ also cried, and Happy also cried, and there was a lot of, lot of crying. It was a very emotional. It was too much crying. You don't want that much crying in your comic book movie? Uh, I'm just saying, like, we can have emotional things without people crying every scene. Would you enjoy watching a movie where the whole movie, the person's just crying the whole time? I've watched three of those movies this week. Which ones? <laughs> I was scared for a second. I'm just being devil's advocate. I did, uh, I think maybe I would say taking itself a little bit too seriously in those moments. I mean, obviously there were some heavy topics. People were dying left, right, etc. But again, this is a comic book movie. You know, a cry here or there is fine, but like everyone was really emotional all the time. Yeah. I didn't necessarily find the acting to be, I'll take that. I didn't necessarily find Tom Holland's acting to be bad. I just thought, this is what he's being asked to do, and he's doing it fine. Uh, Zendaya was also fine. Uh, the friend, Ned, I found his action to be a bit off. He, I also saw him in, like, the first scene, and I was like, hey, he's losing weight. Like, every single actor we've ever seen. <laughs> I, it just crossed my mind. I just couldn't stop being like, ah, he's lost weight. <laughs> really? <laughs> People from the other universe, I actually thought all their acting was spot on, except yeah. Jamie Foxx. He was whatever. Really? Yeah. I think I just don't like the character, but maybe I, I didn't. I was just, uh-huh. Everything about that was meh for me. But, yeah, I found that from the current universe, a lot of the other extras, it wasn't quite hitting for me. It was very, felt flat. Even Doctor Strange, I didn't, I wasn't feeling the gravitas or anything. It felt like he was just there and kind of, felt like he was just like, he just showed up and he was like, oh, I'm supposed to be in the movie? Okay, I'll just be here. I'll just wear my sweater. Yeah, I don't need to nag too much about crying but i i agree with you perhaps they felt like it was trying to be a little bit more emotional than it was yeah because like yeah i understand it comes back down to just another story of with great power comes great responsibility with great ability comes great accountability but, i don't know there I, I i'd say there are standalone spider-man movies that have probably done a better take of great power comes great responsibility i think the best one that did it was the first one <laughs> toby mcgrath 
I haven't seen those movies in a while, but I think they're all actually pretty good. Except the, the first two are actually pretty good. Yeah. I, I would expect if I were to watch them again, they would hold up, but I haven't watched them again, so I don't know. So I watched the first one last year, and I watched the second one a few years ago. Yeah. The first one, the, for sure, watching it again, you're like, there are certain aspects that are, like, would never run with Marvel it's just, like, uh, not professional, not formulaic enough, I guess, or, like, doesn't hit the right s- stuff. But I appreciated it because I could feel that it was by a person who was trying to tell a story. Okay. And the second one, I think, is it does a really good job about responsibility because, ultimately, the, the movie is, like, it's Peter Parker versus Spider-Man. There's two identities. Peter Parker, his girlfriend is engaged to another man who's an astronaut. Um, he's got school, he's failing school, even though he's super smart, he's having a hard time delivering pizza even on time, and he's trying to catch up with paying rent and all these things, and all that stress on him takes a toll on Spider-Man, and eventually, like, he loses powers, and he decides, you know what, I'm not going to be Spider-Man. So we actually see Peter Parker walk away from those responsibilities for a while. It plays out that you see him, like, struggling with that power responsibility thing. Yeah. That was a good movie. Uh, sorry. Doc Ock. Doctor Octopus. I did like the good laugh they had about his name. That was that was funny. Uh, <laughs> the movie that got a couple chuckles out of me. Yeah. Actually, how'd you, how'd you find the humor in this movie? Did it mostly die? Was it just Marvel humor which is like sometimes I chuckle, sometimes I laugh, most times I'm like, you told a joke. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember the humor now. Yeah. <laughs> I remember kind of enjoying it, so it must have. I remember they were talking about the web shooters. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Like, this is just too much of your body. That's weird. Uh, yeah, there, just, there was a couple of good jokes. You know what I don't want this to be? I'm going to contain myself. I do not want to rant about the Spider-Man movie. Because if I rant about the Spider-Man movie, then I'll feel sad. I'll be like, oh, I came off like I hated that movie, but I did have fun. It was fine. It was a fine movie. I don't hate it. It's like 5 or 6 out of 10. It's fine. But my God, did they make some stupid decisions in this movie. I knew it. You can't contain yourself. From the moment he... Okay, so I thought, first of all, to to start broad scope and come in, feel free to just cut me off or jump in at any point. This movie was too long. It's like two and a half hours, right? If a Spider-Man movie is two and a half hours, what's an Avengers movie going to be these days? Like, why are these movies so long? This is not a Spider-Man critic. This is like a Marvel movie's problem. Okay. And then I watched the movie and it's the first like 30 minutes is so unnecessary because it's this sequence of trying to impart on me, the viewer, that it really sucks that everyone knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and this isn't affecting his life and it's affecting his friends and it's affecting their lives and probably their friends' lives and it's like really negatively impacting them and it's driven him to this desperate point where he's like actually considering making everyone forget, like using magic to do that. That's what it's trying to get across. You can get that across to me in like five minutes. Also, like what was this lawsuit they just mentioned? There's a legal implications and then Matt Murdock shows up. He's like... All the legal things went away, and I was like, why did we even bother to do this? Did you just want a Matt Murdock cameo? I guess that was cool. Ah, why did we spend 30 minutes on this? Fair enough. This is all to lead, so I found that, not that it was bad or anything, I just found it, like, I don't care about Peter Parker's domestic problems. (laughs) I care about Peter Parker's domestic problems, 
in as much as they affect Spider-Man. <laughs> Mm. Not necessarily. That's that's unfair. Not that I don't care about his domestic problems, but like he's having all these troubles. And I was like, I, I feel like I already understood this. I feel like this was clear. This should be clear to anyone who's watching these movies that obviously this is bad. Obviously he just wants us to stop and there was a more graceful way to go about this. I don't know what that is. I am not a director or a writer. I'm just a I'm complainer. not even I'm not even a critic. I'm just a guy who's complaining, who's screaming at a mic. So you know, take that as you will. <laughs> but I found it to be unnecessarily long and just overall unnecessary. I feel like you could have gotten that information to me much quicker. Because, mm-hmm. like, the movie shorthand is a thing. If a guy kills his wife or something like that, you know, you don't need to explain to me for an episode why that's bad, why he's sad, you know, why he feels guilty. I understand. You know, I understand. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Everyone knows that's bad. I understand. And all that is to lead into the inciting incident where the movie actually starts, where he goes to Dr. Strange and he's like, can you make everyone forget? And then the genius that is Dr. Strange starts casting a spell to make everyone forget. And for some reason, A, he doesn't ask clarifying questions. Like, is there anyone you don't want this spell to affect? Because I don't want to forget your you're Spider-Man, that would be really inconvenient for me to just lose part of my memory. Why would I cast a spell to affect myself like that? He doesn't have even further clarifying questions like, are you sure this is something you want to do? Have you considered this or that or that? You know, I, as an adult, puts who, who's like in a position of like authority. It's like the... It, it's a small little spell, Raph. Did you not hear him say that? When you do it to Lickety affect... split. If you do it to affect, like, a party, a, a little small group of other party to make them forget that, you know, they all saw this weird thing, that's like everyone that party taking Molly and forgetting something more. That's really small in comparison to make everyone in the world forget this thing. <laughs> Raph, do I need to think about all the consequences that are going to happen if I drink yes. a Palm Bay? Yes, you do. <laughs> it, it's, it's a small thing. And then, <laughs> which, by the way, the trailer did it differently. The trailer and the trailer, they're like, they make it sound more serious because, like, Wong is like, don't do it. Don't do it at all. I basically, at this point, I don't trust anything in the trailers. Because they they, they modify the trailer. They modify, they literally shoot scenes that, like, are not in the movie just for the trailer. Yeah. They have actors say things out of order. It, they are trying to confuse the trailer, which is a better trend than what we had seen before, which of just. The trailer's just telling you the entire thing. Yeah. But I don't know if I like this trend of trailers lying to me. <laughs> uh, either way, as I continue my rant, Mr. Wong, Sorcerer Supreme for some freaking reason, <laughs> I know they explained it, it's still dumb, is <laughs> like, hey, don't cast that spell, it's dangerous. And then he opens a portal and walks away from the obviously irresponsible Doctor Strange. And he's like, that's eh, fine. Surely he should be more concerned about this. And then, like I was saying, Doctor Strange starts casting the spell. And Peter is obviously like, wait, hold on now. (laughs) And this, if at no other point had Doctor Strange paused to consider his actions, the moment Peter added a caveat, that's the moment where you stop the spell. And you say, okay, let's get some ground rules, list out all the things you want, and then we can try this again. You can't stop it. Why why can't you stop the spell? Well, then half of the people forget Spider-Man. What? You haven't cast a spell yet. You are still casting the spell. This is wishy-washy magic Have you ever been on Windows XP? Yes. (laughs) When it's installing, there's Uh a percentage bar, right? You can't just stop it midway. So it's half installed? 
I'm saying Doctor Strange is Windows XP. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I I've made my point. Okay. <laughs> anyway, not to go on too long about this. Yes. I, I find it, the most annoying part of it is that he actually blames Peter for this. That that's the actual. Other than the fact that all that's contrived and nonsense, I can look past that. But the part that really upset me is that he came out of that being like, how could you not tell me you're so irresponsible? And I don't know if the writers are trying to say, hey, Doctor Strange is irresponsible. But he's like saying Peter Parker. I don't know if that's the thing they're going for. Like you're supposed to understand that he's the irresponsible one. But it felt to me like they were actually trying to play it straight. Like, no, Peter's the irresponsible one here. And that... Makes no sense. Because Peter was not the irresponsible uh, one there. I think they were playing it that they're both irresponsible. And like you said, this is a prequel to the m- Multiverse of Madness. It's like, we're not going to deal with the irresponsibility of Doctor Strange right now. There's mm-hmm. hints of it. But this is Spider-Man's movie, so we're going to cover his irresponsibility because they were both irresponsible. Yeah. Which has its problems, right? Because now you're like, okay, so if I want to see how... His responsibilities acknowledge. I'm going to have to watch Multiverse of Madness. And that's whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that they were aware. Um, and then the Multiverse stuff. I don't know how that's a result of the spell. I do have a problem with just wishy-washy magic nonsense, but whatever. Um, it's Doctor Strange. That's literally what he does. Wishy magic, wishy-washy magic nonsense. So if I didn't want that, I shouldn't be watching Doctor Strange. Mm. Um, and then, you know... What actually happens next before the other Spider-Man shows up? Oh, the villains show up first. Before we go into more negatives, I'm going to say a positive. Yeah. I really liked the fight scene between Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. I... It was cool because they're not like trying to hurt each other. They're after this thing. And they both played their powers pretty, you know, pretty well, I'd say. It was pretty interesting to watch. I thought it was visually interesting to watch. I thought it was a cool display of powers. I actually like all, and if not most of the fight scenes in this. I don't think there's a world in which Spider-Man beats Doctor Strange, yeah. even when they're both not trying to hurt each other. Oh, the mirror world is just math? To which I respond, no, Peter, it's not just math. He literally controls everything here. Why can't he just grab you? Doctor Strange, just grab him. Yeah. <laughs> but if we look past that, sure, it was a cool fight. <laughs> Raph, Raph, you have such juvenile understanding of... Of, of the <laughs> complexities of, of magic. Of, of the mirrorverse. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing this, yeah, you know uh, that. And the reason this annoys me so much is not because... So, I can watch a movie and, after the fact, be like, Oh, if you really think about it, this doesn't make any sense. So this doesn't make any sense, right? Like I said... I like Ozymandias, but if you really think about what he's doing, you're like, this is kind of stupid. This is kind of dumb for the smartest man in the world. You're not making the smartest choices. When I will, like, really hate it is if, as I'm watching it, I'm pointing out all the things that are wrong. So I just showed up in the theater, and I'm watching this. And as they're make, as they're literally making the action, sometimes even a minute before they do the thing, I'm like, wow, they're about to do this thing. That's going to be dumb for these 10 reasons. And if I can realize that immediately, I feel like the writers... Or the director or someone should have realized this immediately and done something different. And then they don't. And it's annoying. Then let's, uh, do you want to dig into the philosophical implications? Of the, of the of multiverse? This movie. No, of this movie. The, let's uh, set up a bad guy rehabilitation camp. Yes. Uh, I'm going to use a word I've used a lot. This movie, sorry, this episode, it was dumb. Yes. You may not have the flame. 
Yeah, you stole the words right out of my mouth, Raph. <laughs> no. Um, no, so it was an interesting problem that they gave, right? You, these villains' lives matter, too, and there's multiverse. First of all, I do understand Doctor Strange's point, and I think I agree with him. Like, these people should just go back. If, if they're meant to die, they're meant to die. But I, I thought it was an interesting idea to have Peter Parker be like, I'm going to try to help these people. Can he really help these people? But, like, their solution was basically medication, and without exception. They played it off. It was like, okay, we might fix this person, this person. And then they had that little plot twist where Willem Dafoe is a foe. Uh, the Green Goblin, right, turns out, and he's, he's the bad side of him comes out. And I thought maybe, just maybe, they would try to fix him. They have the antidote. And you know what? It turns out this is who he was simply all along. There are people who are simply bad, but they don't do that. He's also fixed. So basically, without exception, every single person can be fixed with some sort of antidote or medication that we can con conduct concocted with science. Is it everyone? <clears throat> is it not just Green Goblin and Doc Ock? Because Dr. Ock is evil because his tentacle robots make him evil. Sure. AI. AI made him evil. Great. Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> and the Green Goblin is evil because he's literally bipolar. Like, a very extreme version of bipolar that makes no sense with actual how, what bipolar actually is. But let's go ahead. He's super bipolar. Split personality disorder. <laughs> sure. He has an actual mental condition. So they shot him up with some drugs. Fixed it. What's the problem, Sam? But that, no, that rest of the characters, too, <clears throat> it... With science, they turn, undid the lizard thing, and he, the lizard person became a human again, so now he's like, okay, I'm a good guy now. Well, I don't think he's a good guy now. I think he's just no longer a lizard. No, you could see it from his face. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I saw that as like, oh, no, I'm no longer a lizard. <laughs> that Jay seemed to me like, a, god damn it, I've become a lizard, and then you unlizarded me. <laughs> ah, the world really? is so terrible. <laughs> he, he didn't look at him and be like, he realized how dumb it was to try to turn everyone to lizards. <laughs> I think I think that that man does not realize how dumb it was to turn everyone into lizards. That's why he turned into a lizard in the first place. <laughs> and also Jamie Foxx, Electro, or whatever. He was like, "Yeah, you can take the electricity. The electricity is not making him evil. He's just evil." No, he. That was the point. Well, like they were thinking about taking, like, fixing it, so it wasn't like. Were they actually saying that the electricity was making him evil? And I thought they were just trying to take the power well, away. It was the, it was the power that made him evil. That's why with his character, he was constantly talking about the electricity being different and like it's giving him so much power. I actually didn't understand any of that, by the way. Well, he got a Tony Stark device. And well, I know he got that part, but like when he immediately, as he showed up, it was like, power is so different here. And I was like, what do you mean? The power... With its electricity it hasn't changed. There, there's more electrons in, in this uh, universe or there's something. There's more electrons. I didn't yeah, think I, about that. Yeah, You, yeah, you didn't think going. about that. Anyhow. <laughs> but like, at the end, he's like, realized, you know, the, the power made him drunk, right? Drunk with power. Whatever you want to say. With great power comes great something. Yeah. Every single character, I'm telling you, was transformed one way or another through some sort of device. Yes. And that changing physio physically made them good, suggesting that every human being is... People can be fixed, Sam. What do you want from me? But, like, <laughs> it, but like the way I take that, like, from the movie, it's telling me, like, 
Yeah, I mean, with the right drugs, the right medication, anything that you can, the right thing that you can inject into them or something, they will they will adapt and they'll change and they'll be good. Absolutely, there's, no problem. Have depression? Just go to Tom Holland. I'll fix it for you. There's, there's no problem with this. Side. You're you're doing this thing that I was doing to you. <laughs> How about I give you the floor? What is? What would you like to? I will reiterate my earlier point. It was dumb. <laughs> I think that I don't understand. Again, I completely am on the side of Doctor Strange in this. I'm so on his side that I actually struggle to understand what Peter Parker's point is. The spell went wrong. The dimensional membrane is, or whatever, is getting weak. Creatures from other dimensions are showing up here. This is bad. This is objectively bad. This is end entire universes bad. And Peter Parker decides, no, I need to fix these people. Which makes, once again, no sense whatsoever. I don't care what you say about, you know, like individual lives versus the many, you know, the one in the many. Literal universes versus actual villains who are, guess what? Already dead. You actually pulled them from the past. Just let them die, man. Just let them die. Like, what is your point? What are you trying to accomplish here? Yeah. It, more than Tony Stark, more than any other MCU, like, uh, production, he created this problem just whole cloth. This, even after the spell got screwed up, this could have been solved. Lickety split. That's a big accusation you're making. That he's caused more problems than Tony Stark. Not that he's caused more problems, like, even more than Tony Stark. Like, Tony Stark creates a lot of his own problems. This, the problems came, and then they solved the problem. And then he was like, I don't like the solution. Let's make this worse. That's really bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Sorry, I, I'm hung up on the Tony Stark thing. because Tony Stark creates his own problems, too. I, I'm pretty sure he created, like, four or five villains. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah. I guess we can, we can jump all that. I didn't like it. I thought it was dumb. But whatever. He's decided to do this. And then they're magically able to rehabilitate them. Also dumb and also kind of insensitive to just human beings. Uh, and I don't, overall, just very tone deaf, in my opinion. But yeah. then, for whatever reason, Ned has magic powers now. Doesn't make any sense. But let's go keep going with it. And this is the point where I started having fun with the movie. I was like, okay, just... They're doing it. It doesn't make sense, but just get past it. Let's go. And then I was like, oh, look, he did the magic portal. That's kind of cool. And then the Spider-Man showed up. And then the movie got good for a bit. Because... I like Tobey Maguire, and I didn't actually hate Andrew Garfield as much as everyone else seemed to hate those movies. I mean, could he have saved MJ or whatever her name was? Gwen? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just use your goddamn webs, man. But... He did. I don't remember it. I just remember watching that and thinking there's no way Spider-Man couldn't have got her. So he he webbed, and it stuck to her, but the sudden stop killed her. She didn't actually hit the ground. Oh, really? Yeah. that's it, it. I applied real physics there. She... She just had a sudden stop, and so she just died. I forgot that about it. I still think that's dumb because it's a comic book world (laughs) where where Superman stops planes by touching them. So I think you can just web shooter people. If this worked that way, Superman would completely destroy Lois Lane. Every time he caught her when she was falling from a building or something, he just flew in at the speed of sound and grabbed her. She would just die. I can't attest to the rest of the physics in that movie, but... <laughs> <laughs> they just wanted Gwen to die, so they decided to join some real-world physics for a second. 
fine, she died. Either way, I didn't I didn't mind those movies and I don't know. I thought they were fun. I thought the actors came in and they like just weren't phoning it in. They actually acted and they yeah. were good. And uh, they all had their different lessons to tell to you know Tom Holland and that was fun. Yeah. Cute. And all the nostalgic things, they did their job. I felt all the goodies. I was like, oh, I remember this. Back to something I didn't like, I guess. With great power comes great responsibility. Doesn't Tom Holland already know this? Like, I feel like he learned this lesson. The first movie. And the second movie. Yeah, like but... His, his he aunt didn't have, to die. He didn't this. have an uncle and aunt that died in those movies. Yeah, you just don't understand responsibility until someone dies. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, he had Tony die. <laughs> Exactly. That was literally the last movie. Yeah. That was the plot of the last movie. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, I don't want to be bashful, but it's like, really hard. Not to. It, like the aunt dying and only the aunt dying was just a bit cliche, and the revenge aspect of the story—it's uh, very bland. Yeah, it just didn't land for me. But what I did like was uh, Tobey Maguire giving a Tobey Maguire look. Yes. When he's in front of me, he gave that look. I'm like, oh man, that look. He just stands there and just looks at you. And you're like, I think you're trying to act at me right now. I'm not sure what you're emoting, but you're definitely looking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are things about it that could have been cut out. Even like the small thing, like the Happy and Aunt May breaking up. I feel like the only purpose was to try to make sure that Tom Holland is the one who feels the pain the most or something when she dies. I like, I, I don't know. It was, I mean, Happy still felt the pain, right? Because they just yeah. broken up a day. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. And it wasn't even like they fell out of love or anything. It was just that she felt he was too controlling or something and she was trying to put some distance. So I don't know why that was there. Again, it's there's so much of this movie that I don't know why it was there. And this movie was two and a half hours. So I'm just like, this movie could have... Use a firm pass through the, the old chopping block. Just like, can we trim out all this fat? And then introduce an actual six villain to make it the Sinister Six? No. <laughs> I'm just saying, they could have brought back the Vulture from the first movie. First Tom Holland movie. Oh, they're bringing people from other universes, though. That Those were five. You understand that? Because yeah. Venom, Venom was there, but he didn't join. So. And you wanted them to be six. So, the, the Sinister Six. Yeah. 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 So there's no... Five does not make six. Just imagine if the Sinister Six were there when all those nebulous entities were coming in right before they made the, the Ultra Forget spell. Sorry, I have... Yeah, speaking about the Ultra Forget spell, mm-hmm. I... Okay, I know I'm moving my hands a lot right now. Yes. How exactly... Does that does, solve the problem? How exactly is Tom Hardy brought into that universe? You know, because he knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. The same way that Electro does. I'm pretty sure Electro doesn't know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Really? I am not 100% sure. haven't watched this movie in a while. But when they brought those villains in, I was like, do all these people know Peter Parker is Spider-Man? Because I don't think they all do. Okay. Yeah. I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another question: How does Venom stay? A little bit of him. But how? A little bit of him. No, but that that has a consciousness. A little bit of him. It's a little bit of him. How? 
But how? Little bit of understanding. How does that even make sense with the magic? That's what I want to understand. Because it's wibbly wobbly magic that doesn't make any sense, and that's Doctor Strange's power, and it's kind of annoying. <laughs> There's, I, you know this about me. There's nothing I find more frustrating than a system in which does not appear to have any logic to it. This is why I don't necessarily enjoy Gandalf because I don't. I'm sure there are rules. If I read the Silmarillion, I'm sure I'll understand more of what's going on there. Yeah. But from watching the movies, I don't have an understanding of what Gandalf is capable of doing. I don't even need to know exactly how his power works. I just need to know what is he capable of doing. What's the upper limit? What's the lower limit? What kinds of things can he do? And then have a good idea. But I watch those movies, I don't know, so I don't know what's going to do at any point. Same thing. Doctor Strange, I have no clue. What can he do? What can't he do? He can just troll, use him as a plot device. Just make, he is, that's what he is in this movie. He's a plot device. He spelled, he did a spell, and the spell created the plot. Ladies and gentlemen, Doctor Strange but, has plot creating magic. But, but, so, but... <laughs> I don't, no buts. <laughs> I, I'm sort of okay with a soft magic. Mm-hmm. So if the story is too good, I understand that the the writer has chosen not to engage yeah. in, in it, and it's just, you sort of understand it's a little bit there. And I trust that the writer is is using it as a device for really to tell a story about a character's emotions and and their life journey or something. But it, but I'm saying they have a spell. But that spell, what they say it does, is different from what it actually what it does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They tell me it does something, but it's doing something else at the same well, time. Well, it failed, so yeah. that's why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I also understand that. So Doctor Strange's spell might have been done at the same time as some other events. I want to have an episode possibly about the Marvel TV. TV shows from I haven't seen most of them, so that's going to be a real boring episode. You haven't seen WandaVision? Nope. Falcon? Nope. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? Isn't that the same? Yes, thing? yeah. I, was, I, I had to prove Hawkeye? to the audience. <laughs> Hawkeye? Nope. Loki? Nope. Okay, so you, none of them. I mean, I saw, you know, Daredevil and the other, the old ones. Yeah, but the 2021 ones. Nope. Not a, okay, well, I'm going to do a little spoiler here. Okay. So... In Loki, there is a time in which the time becomes unknown, which may have something to do with this. And there's also in WandaVision, there's a time where Wanda really, really becomes the Scarlet Witch. If that was an explanation for this, I would hate that even more than the wibbly-wobbly magic. Because I would hate the fact that they are requiring me to go watch several other TV series to understand what's happening here. You you understand this is the direction they're going to just take. And I like it less and less every day. That is fine. <laughs> I, I'm i getting pretty marveled out too. <laughs> I enjoyed what they... like. They've, this is an Im- immense feat of cinematic brilliance. You know, it cannot be understated. As much as people can bash on Marvel and whatever and say they're formulaic, etc., etc., they have literally taken over Hollywood just by creating this masterpiece of interwoven movies and stuff. It's great. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm pretty burnt out. And not that I'm done with superhero movies, but I'm done with this. Like, I, can we just have smaller stories? That's really what I want. Like, I just want a story. It can still be the MCU. It can still be connected. But I just, it just doesn't need to be a million cameras. It doesn't need to be two and a half hours. It doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be all this. It can just be a nice, small movie. Interesting. I, I feel the exact same way. 
because Marvel does it right, but there are a lot of other things out there that are also trying to build things, sequels, yeah. or what, not, not necessarily a cinematic universe, but they're doing sequels, reboots. I just love a story these days that is just a story and its end. Probably my one of my favorite movies from all 2021 is just The Green Knight. Yeah, I mean, it's a story wrapped within itself, and it's excellent. That is what I want. <laughs> yeah, right? And You know, I love me my good grand epics and interwoven plot. Like, I'm never going to deny I love that, but it's, yeah. it's everything now. It's every single movie it's, is building to something else, and it, it does take a lot away from the movie itself. Yeah. Like you said, it cannot be understated what Marvel did. But everyone's trying to do it now. And Marvel, I have to say, like, it's getting really... It's getting close to out of hand for them, even. Like, they've created so many new characters. You watch any TV show, they're like, here's three or four new characters today that we've introduced into the universe now. And, like, Infinity War had, what, 20, 30 superheroes. You're about to have, like, what, 40 now? You you knocked off only Iron Man and Captain, Captain America and and... Black Widow. Those are oh, yeah. you knocked out three and introduced like twenty more. It's almost becoming as sprawling and chaotic as comic books, <laughs> which is not a good thing. I know that sounded like a good thing. That's not a good thing. Different mediums. Comic books can be crazy wild. Your movies need to be just a little bit cleaner. I'm not saying they're messy or anything. I'm just saying it's it's getting to that point. It's getting to that point. Uh, yeah. And I'll be just to see what they do. But yeah, whatever. I mean. That's why I'm kind of interested in, like, the new Batman movie. We can have a whole Batman topic. I'm also batman out. This is, like, the fourth iteration uh, so, of Batman I've seen in the past okay. six years. <laughs> Ten seconds. I'm also batman out, but I'm also excited for this Batman. But I'll have to say why in a different episode. Don't, don't, don't tune in to another episode of Couch Theater. Back to Spider-Man. I think we were talking about how things didn't make... Oh, spells didn't make sense. Okay, yes. What I did... I did have a point about soft magic. So, Brandon Sanderson, very famous uh, fantasy author, he talks a lot about, like, these rules of magic and stuff. Rule, not necessarily magic. They're more of rules of story, right? Storytelling. These are rules he uses for himself, obviously. They're not, like, objective rules or anything like that. But they're very interesting. So, I'll talk about soft magic versus hard magic first. So, when you have a hard magic system or a hard system, that means you understand the rules. So something like one of his books, Mistborn, or even Harry Potter, Spider-Man, actually, Spider-Man works perfect for this. It's, I understand, obviously this is a fantasy world and there's magic and nonsense happening, but I understand what Spider-Man can do, right? He can shoot webs. The webs are sticky. They can hold you together. He can swing. He has heightened reflexes. I understand his powers in terms of I know what the boundaries are and what he can do. And what's interesting about that is when you have that kind of hard system, you can use the system to solve problems. You can, be, you can start something, and then I can start thinking, well, how can Spider-Man get out of this? Because I understand what he does, and then you can do really clever things. I'll be like, oh, I didn't think of that, yada, yada. That's what you can do with a hard system. With a soft system, what you probably shouldn't be doing is using that system to solve problems. Because I don't understand the rules, then I feel like you just wrote, oh, the problem's on the way. And that's not very satisfying. Again, these are not hard and fast rules. Obviously, any great writer can do whatever they want, and it may come off, but that's like a general... If you have a system where the audience does not understand what it is, you probably shouldn't be using it to solve problems. It can be a system that inspires awe and wonder. And honestly, you can use weird magic to create problems, but you shouldn't be using weird magic to solve problems. Because 
it's it's fine if the coincidences help the bad guys. It's fine if the coincidences create problems. But when it becomes like Deus Ex Machina is when coincidences and stuff start solving problems. That's when the audience tends to feel cheated. Yeah. So that is a better summary of my problem with Doctor Strange's magic. I thought it didn't make any sense when he created the problem, but I was willing to get past it. And then when he used that same magic to solve the problem, that just made me annoyed. Why did this entire movie happen? Can we have just not done this? Yeah, I guess you just need to watch WandaVision to explain this. <laughs> Which also, by the way, uses magic that you probably don't totally understand either. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've seen enough tangential content to be like, isn't the magic just a set piece? Like, the magic is what's causing this scenario. And it's just going through the scenario. So she actually solve anything? Is there a giant fight at the end of WandaVision? There's a giant fight at the end of WandaVision, isn't there? That's terrible. How do they turn sitcoms into a giant fight? <laughs> I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I can see the disappointment in Raph's, Raph's face. I wish I could, I wish you could see it too as he. <laughs> uh, well, that's that. Uh, what else do we have to say about this movie? Is it just dragging us out? There's nothing to say. I, yeah, no, not really. I feel like the nostalgia was done right because, like, it had the right actors, all that. Willem Dafoe was scary. Oh, he always kills it. Like, he's... Like, I know people love Doc Doc, but I always love the Green Goblin. Just... He just kills it. As I know. What about the side characters in this movie? Feel anything about them? I didn't feel anything, but I don't know if you felt something. I don't have anything to say about them. Okay. Moving on from that. (laughs) Uh, Did you find his decision at the end to leave them alone to be a reasonable decision? I thought he was overacting. (laughs) Ignore the acting. Did you? Yeah, that that scene was definitely very I, awkward. I can tell you that I I I promise you I love I like this movie. And, I, it but really, I can tell it really you, doesn't sound like we did, but like I didn't hate it. I like the movie, <laughs> but I also don't care whatsoever what his relationship with MJ is. You know what? Maybe I didn't like this movie. That's what that's what this podcast teaching me because I'm having so much trouble talking about anything I liked. I'm starting to think, did I not like this movie? <laughs> Uh, I think I think it's one of those you know like anime yeah so there's those animes where sometimes like the side certain side characters are just amazing and they make the show really good yeah but then like the main plot is just whatever and stuff you know the feeling right yes I feel like it's that the nostalgia was done so right because and the reason why the nostalgia itself makes it a good movie is because the nostalgia is so integral to the movie to a degree right the two other Spider-Man and the five villains, they're part of the main story. And even though, like, the main character and this other side Except character... Except for Reptile. Let's be honest here. He doesn't do anything. Oh, he was in the truck and he's like, it's time. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The other cinematic movies coming into this carried the movie for me. Yes. The first two movies, mostly the first one, I was okay on the second one move that I was like yes I'm yeah. willing to watch Tom Holland be Spider-Man and then the other Spider-Man came in and I was like oh my god I love Tom Maguire Spider-Man exactly. oh my god I remember Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and that I kind of moved that along and then of course the way they wove it in but yeah the movie that's kind of weird to say I'm about to say the movie outside of that even though that's part of the movie but the movie outside of that was lacking yeah. a lot I, I put, I like, I'd put down 50 bucks right now to, to watch Spider-Man 4, Tobey Maguire. 
and that's would, not happening. And I would accept all the the original flaws. Yeah, like his questionable acting, right? His sunglasses, finger guns, <laughs> and spinning it around. Yeah, I I would accept all of that still because even though I feel like there might be bad points to it, overall I still feel like there's one person telling me the story that I have an interest in. And you don't feel that here? No. Are you sad that Aunt May is dead? N- no. Are you sad Happy is no longer happy when in fact sad? Uh, no. Hmm. Are you sad that Tom Holland's sad? No. Are you sad that Zendaya's happy? Uh. Well, not happy, but slightly above average. No. Okay. I, I feel just blah. What would you rate this movie out of 10? I would rate this... A Multiverse of Madness. A Multiverse of Madness out of 10. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have it. Actually, I was going to say, rate this movie one of the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> I rate this a no way home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was like a just average. It was very average. The nostalgia stuff was good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But it was still nostalgia stuff, which gets like a negative mark from me. Yeah. And then everything else was either just annoying or I didn't care or whatever so it was failing to do whatever it tried to do yeah like you said if there's that many emotional scenes where people are crying and I'm not feeling the emotion and I just want the movie to move on which is director producers writers actors some more some combination of them have failed to get the emotion out of me specifically obviously feel free to feel, feel however you want to feel about the movie I personally didn't care so I'd say that after having spoken to you I came in and I was thinking this movie was like a 6 out of 10. I think like it wasn't above 5. It was like a 4 out of 10. It was a bad movie. I've talked myself into this was a bad movie <laughs> that had some good points. Hmm. I'll go 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10? Because, yes. Yeah. I've, I've seen some people who have talked about rating systems. Because the way we think about rating systems often is like this upward scale. Where like if you say a movie is 5 out of 10, you're basically saying it's a bad movie, right? And for a movie to be good, it has to be like 8 or 9 or 10. It's like, that's not how rating works. If I say a movie is a 5 out of 10, that means it's an average movie. Yeah. Kind of thing. If I say it's a 7 out of 10, that means it's well above average. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, so, this movie was... And it's hard to say it's below average because all the ancillary things like the the music, the action, the costuming, the lighting, the blah, 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 the set pieces and all that stuff is always good. I've yet to see a bad one yet. So all that's good. But... It's a Marvel movie, so I really, that's just the basement expectation that it's always yeah. gonna look good. So, but everything else outside of that was very lacking, so I'll give this movie like a four, maybe a five. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Better than Internals? Yes. Yes or no? Yes. Yes? Because Eternals was, this movie made me feel something, and that was annoyance. Eternals didn't make me feel anything. And that's why we don't have an episode on Eternals. <laughs> we don't have an episode on Eternals? Eternals was lame. I came out of that movie and I, was, I texted you. I said, this movie was just lame. Not bad. Not, you know, oh, I can't believe they did this or this was dumb. Just I just watched the movie and felt nothing most of the movie. And I came out of that movie and I was like, I just watched the movie. I'm not, I'm really trying not to make an episode about Eternos right now. <laughs> but that's very interesting because Eternos is the first movie in a while to kind of veer off yeah. quite a bit I from the I sound like a Marvel. real hypocrite now saying that, but... I guess we're doing a mini Eternals segment right now. I think it was the fact that they tried to do an ensemble cast. So yeah. basically they did the thing DC has been failing to do, which is try to do Justice League on a snap. So they introduced like, they didn't do it as poorly as DC is obviously doing it, but 
they introduced like five or six characters and I only maybe care about one of them, if even. And they're juggling all of them, trying to give, basically give me a bunch of backstories at once. Why do I care? A bunch of information. And I just don't have a connection to any of the characters. I resented some aspects of the movie. I hate, always hate this idea of, oh, <clears throat> aliens are the only reason we ever advanced. They came in and showed us the technology. Oh, these people came in and showed us how to build wells and pumps and stuff. I always resent that. It's just like, why do you have to take away a human's achievements? Like, why did you have to do that? <laughs> yeah, it's aliens that did it. I don't know. I just always resent that. I don't know why I find that so offensive when movies do that. But I'm just like, shut yeah. up. No, they didn't. <laughs> That's like the quickest way to take me out of comic book world and just make me be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I, I mean, the villains were like generic. I mean, they were li- the villains were literally generic monsters. <laughs> they were literally generic CGI monsters. And one of them eventually got some sentience. Was still and they did it. nothing with it. Like, Angelina Jolie is going crazy, but like, do I care? Not really. I don't even understand what her problem is. I mean, I understand. She's been too alive too long. Yada, yada, but... I don't care. I mean, like, I cared more about her and Gilgamesh than I cared about anyone else, even the main characters, which, I mean, they're kind of, they're part of an ensemble, but they're definitely less important than the other two whose names I've forgotten. Uh, and then the villain is this god seed thing, apocalypse, whatever they call themselves. Oh, <laughs> and then it's Why like, did you have to call it that? I don't know, man. It's, the, the earth is just a, a thing for, uh, this thing to come out of the world. I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Why would this? Why would this be necessary? And also, why didn't you guys help with Thanos? Don't give me your bullshit excuses. Obviously, Thanos wiping out half the galaxy is a important for the entire universe, not just Earth, but also B literally hampers the plan of using the human beings to power this thing. So like, don't let him do that. Ah, doesn't make any sense. I don't care. It was just. You know what? Maybe I, it made me feel things. Now that you make me talk about it, it didn't make me feel things. I, like that's annoyance. I'm so sorry. I did not like it. <laughs> I'm so sorry to you and to our viewers for ever mentioning Eternals. This has been me mostly writing this entire episode. <laughs> we should maybe take a break from superhero movies. And yeah. Review <laughs> something else. Like The Wheel of Time. Have you actually finished it? I've... There's so many TV shows to watch. But this is... My favorite story. I know. Adapted, I'm, I'm, I'm working on I'm, it. I'm playing the guilt card. It, this show was fine. I didn't think it was that good. It was fine. <laughs> but I, I, but I still want to talk about it. Okay. We'll talk about it. Minari is a good movie. Yes. I, I forgot the name. I guess I'm going to tease this. Like This is the recommendation section of this episode. That we're, we've reached the after credits portion of our TV show. Yeah. Stick around for the really important stuff. Yeah. Um... I watched Minari. Yes. And then I proceeded to stand up, make my way to the computer, open up a Google Docs, and write two and a half pages of what I thought. That's basically a podcast episode, Sam. I was like connecting things like this theme relates to this Is theme. Is that going to be our next episode? Story. Minari? It felt like a Green Knight one where we like, we were like afterwards, we were like thinking about it, you know? It was like, oh, and as you're like, after the movie, you're actually still realizing more things. You're like, wait, yeah, that, that, and that. There's like a a dot that connects them, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why I will never like that. That's like the beauty of like, I don't even what's called like artistic movies, like movies that are movies. Uh, I don't know if you heard that. This, I forget who, what his name is. One of the directors, Martin Sorcies. That one maybe that that was like talking kind of smack again about Marvel movies and stuff. 
it wasn't really talking smack. He didn't say they were bad or anything. He just said yeah. they're like popcorn or going to the carnival. And I, I kind of agree with him where he's like, they're fun and all that. But like, you don't get those movie movies. They're like Green Knight is or Lighthouse or like even like uh-huh. even Christopher Nolan yeah. stuff. Like with like Tenet and like, yeah. like he has his own brand. Like he has a point. He's trying to, he's always trying to do something. The movie is always interesting, even just beyond the movie of like what it is. And a lot of these are not. I feel like every single superhero episode we've done has been mostly us ranting. And that's not good. <laughs> we, should, we should just bundle them together. <laughs> yeah, a bundle. Just like, this is why I didn't like this very briefly, and this is why I didn't like this very briefly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, today is sponsored by... Uh, uh, the Web Shooters Guild of the Multiverse. <laughs> Do you want webs coming out of your body, your legs, your arms, your sensitive areas. Maybe you want a little package for your webs. Maybe you want them coming out of your ears. Where do you want webs coming out? We got webs for days. Webs, 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 interconnected everywhere. Get your webs today at, I forget what the name is. <laughs> Spiderman.com. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's been a handful, guys. Please don't hate us. Remember to like and subscribe, add your thoughts. Yeah, give us a review, a rating. Do the things that people do on podcasts. I'm not yeah. going to say that all the time. I get tired of saying that. <laughs> uh, but you're allowed, if you like Spider-Man, that's okay. You're allowed to have your own different opinions as long as you recognize that your subjective opinions are objectively wrong. <laughs>